0: Hello, I'm Nate, and welcome to Psych for Today, a podcast that helps you understand the psychology behind events, situations, and people in our world today. Stay-at-home mom. Construction worker. Volunteer. I am loving. Smart. Funny. Generous. (laughs) Way too generous. I am all of the amazing things you see. But there's something you can't see or don't see. Something that I don't let anybody see, like when I'm alone in a room full of people. Only when we begin experiencing issues with our minds and emotions, do we even begin asking ourselves why we are feeling or acting the way we do. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about the psychology behind psychology. Where do our unwanted emotions and behaviors come from? And what are a few things we could do to make ourselves feel and act better? To help us understand mental health, we'll be using a metaphor. Our metaphor will be a canvas, the kind a painter uses when he is painting a picture. Each of us can think of our brains as a kind of canvas. The younger you are, the less you have on your canvas, The older you are, the more you have on your canvas. In painting, there are all kinds of canvases. Ancient people who would use stone and bark, while more contemporary people use linen and cotton. Each of us are a lot like real canvases in that before anyone paints on us, we already have a certain material that we are made of. Some of us tend to be rough and scratchy Because we are more like bark, others of us tend to be smooth, but hard, like a rock. In psychology, we tend to call this someone's nature, the inherent qualities that someone comes into this world with outside of anyone's influence. For parents listening to this, it could be as soon as six months that you will or did begin to see your child's personality. From being emotionally laid back to attentive and clingy, There is a texture to our personality prior to any experiences that we are born with. And this is the first part of any of our canvases. Once you are in the world, you begin to develop something called an identity. An identity is the deepest and truest ideas you believe about yourself. You may be someone who works in finances, who likes to have fun, who is married, who is very spiritual, But all these things would most likely only be outpourings of your identity. Beneath all this may be an identity that has nothing to do with any of these things. Instead, it may be a phrase, an idea, or a feeling that is as simple as, I am good, I am bad, or I need to prove myself. Beneath all the things you do and the activities you engage in are a set of phrases, ideas, emotions, or thoughts that drive almost all that you do. But identity doesn't stop there. For identity is actually made up of at least five parts that create those phrases, ideas, emotions, and thoughts. You can listen to the podcast, The Psychology Behind Identity, that will be coming out next month, for a more thorough explanation. But for the sake of time, I will simply break down identity into five categories. First, is your location identity, which is the place in the world you are from or are living in now. Second is your body identity, which is the kind of body you have, such as being black, white, tall, short, handicapped or not handicapped. Third is your ability identity, which is the ability you have in things like sports, cooking, relationships, and whatever else. Fourth is your social identity, which are things like, did you grow up with divorced parents or are currently divorced? And lastly is present identity, which is the identity you draw from what is happening around you and to you right now. From these five sources of identity, we build who we are throughout our life and ultimately build the kind of mental health we are going to have. If identity is the picture that experiences, parents, and life draw on you, trauma are the small or large mistakes that get drawn across us along the way. Like large red streaks down the middle of who we are, traumas gash our canvases, mess up our pictures, blur the colors together, or cease the painting process altogether. In one of the most extreme examples of trauma, child psychology has taught us That if a child isn't touched enough before the age of five, they will have issues connecting with others emotionally, intellectually, and physically for the rest of their life. Isn't it amazing that before we can even speak, think, or remember, the colors and pictures of how we are going to connect with others is being established just by how much touch we received? This is the power and importance of trauma in the picture of who we are and will become. So we've covered the nature we are born with, the identity that gets painted on us by experiences, the streaks and gashes that get put into us by traumas. But the last source of mental health issues is chemical. Chemical reasons for mental health issues may sound similar to the nature someone is born with. But they are different because one is treatable and the other isn't. You can't really cure being introverted but you can mostly cure being depressed. Chemical imbalances are made up of things like ADHD, schizophrenia, bipolar, and depression, but can also include mental health issues induced by using marijuana, cocaine, and even caffeine and alcohol. Did you know there are at least 15 kinds of mental health and mood issues caused by drug use alone? If we are canvases, then chemical imbalances would be our canvases interacting with the paint incorrectly. Someone may paint a smiley face, but your canvas can turn it into a frown. Someone may paint freedom on your canvas, but you can turn it into captivity. This happens because chemical imbalances are illogical. They aren't rooted in reality or what is true. They exist independently from traumas or identity and are emotions, thoughts, and behaviors you feel outside of anything that makes sense or has happened to you. However, one caveat is that a lot of the symptoms of a chemical imbalance can be reduced by strengthening your identity and healing your trauma. But they will never be wholly healed or improved through just improving these areas alone, which is ultimately what makes them a chemical imbalance. So if we are all canvases, what is the best way to repair any crappy pictures that have been drawn on us or any gouges that traumas have left behind? I think my favorite solution is what we see in a lot of tattoo artwork. I remember a friend of mine getting a starfish tattoo when she was 18. Ten years later, in a biking accident, the starfish was no longer as pretty or clear as it used to be. So she found a good artist in Orlando and talked about ways she could rescue her bruised and battered friend. When she was processing her decision with the tattoo artist, she was given three choices. She could either get the tattoo removed through some laser therapy, she can try and turn the tattoo into something new, or she could get a new tattoo and incorporate the broken starfish into a whole new picture. To our surprise, she decided to go with all three. She couldn't salvage the part of the starfish that had been gashed by her biking accident, so she got it removed. She turned what was left of the starfish into a seashell. And over the course of two years, added to the shell to make a sunrise over the beach. To my knowledge, she is still adding to her tattoo today and what is now most likely an ever-growing amazing picture. When it comes to what we do with our canvases, I think the best advice is to go and do likewise. Some of our identity and traumas will have to be removed. Others we will have to remake into something new, and others we will just have to incorporate into a whole new story. Thanks for listening to Psychport today. For more podcasts, blogs, and other information, visit ncwebster.com.